0: Okay, Doug, do you want to say a word for uh, introducing our next speaker? Sure. Um, Lori and I, Lori Scharf and I have been working on the Rehabilitation Issues Task Force for several years. And uh, she also works on the Special Education and uh, Blind School Task Force. She's also uh, works with uh, Sassy with the uh, Sight and Saird site and Sound impaired committee. So I've bumped into uh, <laughs> Lori many, many times on many, many different issues, and we, we uh, I've enjoyed working with her all, uh, through all of them. As she said, she's a, she's has been a social worker, and she's uh, now uh, becoming a vision rehabilitation therapist. And um, is it therapist or teacher? It's therapist, right? Is new Norman it place depends here?
1: on uh, who says it and where you. Okay. You're getting- <laughs> so I think we need the
0: beginning code. Yes,
1: we do. Before I you- was
2: just going to ask if you yes. guys want me to yes. give Go those.
3: Ahead and give the opening code, All cap, right,
2: please. sure. <laughs> we are flexible in ECB. So part two for the AAVL session for those receiving CEU codes. The first, the opening code for this session is the letter A, as in apple. B as in book. The number eight. The letter D as in dog and the number two. And I will definitely repeat this one again. So again, the opening CEU code for the second part of this session is the letter A as in apple, B as in book, the number eight, the letter D as in dog, and the number two. Okay.
0: okay. go right ahead, Lori. So uh, yeah, so yeah, Laurie, go ahead.
2: Okay. Thank you, Doug, and and thank
1: you, Jeff and Katie. So, uh, yeah, I've been a a social worker working with um, basically families in crisis for the last 17 years and um, had a career change and left my old job, and now I'm back in school. Um, But I am also, besides a social worker, a certified benefits practitioner, which means that I get to work with uh, individuals who are disabled and entering the work field or who have been in the work field and are trying to figure out how to retain their employment. Um, I work under the Ticket to Work program, so that means I can follow people for much longer than the general rehab system. And, And I will give my email address at the end um, so people have that if you have any questions that we don't get to here today. Um, So my job is to, I guess, demystify some pieces of Medicare. Uh, Medicare is a health program providing health insurance to individuals who receive Social Security Disability or Social Security Retirement. And if you are in Social Security Disability, you need to be receiving benefits for, or you need to be determined eligible for 24 months before your Medicare starts. Um, that's unless you have end-stage renal disease, otherwise known as ESRD. Um, for people with end-stage renal disease, your Medicare starts um, as soon as you're approved for Social Security. Medicare is, L- is available to individuals 65 and over. And for anybody on Medicare, your Part B, as in boy, has a copayment, and that's determined um, b- using a formula. So there's there's uh, a lot of times for the first year after somebody retires or um, becomes eligible, you can have a much higher copayment. Uh, I'm sorry, monthly monthly premium. Um, And then Part A coverage, often you don't have to pay for as long as you have 30 quarters of coverage through Social Security or more. So sometimes people wind up paying for Part A as well as Part B. Um, Other times they don't. And that's a little complex. So if you kind of have questions on those types of things, I would recommend that you maybe get in touch with me after because that means you have a very specific situation. Um, For... The initial enrollment, what's called the initial enrollment period for people who were senior citizens, which are people 65 and over, um, you're deemed to be eligible three months prior to turning 65, the month you turn 65, and three months after you turn 65, hence the seven months. I (laughs) think they have a very awkward way of putting things, but... Both for people who become eligible for Medicare um, when they turn 65 or when they become eligible based on Social Security disability, if you do not enroll during that initial period of eligibility, there are penalties and they're rather steep for both Part B as in boy or Part D, which I'm going to describe these in a moment, but I'm just kind of laying out some basics here. Um, So if you don't enroll in them when you initially can, you can receive some stiff financial penalties and wind up paying a higher monthly premium. So Medicare Part A is hospital coverage, which if you paid for that out of pocket is about $460 a month. Um, And what that covers is inpatient hospital care inpatient care in a skilled facility where non custodial care is provided so basically like short term like an it could be a nursing home but it, it's short term following hospitalization or something along those lines and they also that's where you invoke your hospice waivers also under part a part b is in boy is um, what they call medical insurance, which I think is a really stupid term, but that's what they call it. And that's outpatient services. So that could be doctor's visits, physical outpatient physical therapy, um, outpatient care, such as labs, uh, things like that. Certain types of home care, and this would primarily be Once you've been released from a hospital or a um, rehab or nursing facility, and it would be short-term home care, it wouldn't be long-term. Durable medical equipment, this is an area, um, it covers wheelchairs, walkers, shower chairs. You have to have a prescription for those types of services. And without that, they wouldn't be covered by Medicare. You also need to find a provider that's able to take your, you know, that is able to provide coverage uh, and take the prescription. Glucometers and testing strips are also covered under this, which is kind of confusing for people. I think often people think, I picked that up at my pharmacy, so that's going to be the same thing as my pharmaceutical coverage. Nope. Nope. It's not. It's very often, talk about corporate, and CVS typically has the stronghold in a lot of places or some other mail order company, depending on what your uh, specific situation is. So that is an area that can be confusing for people. And Part B also covers wellness exams, such as your annual physical and vaccinations and shots. So preventative care like a flu shot, um, pneumonia shot for senior citizens, and um, they do cover the what's the word uh, shingles I was going to say the adult chicken pox, but <laughs> okay, and part D is in dog is your prescription coverage, and that covers both injectable medications that you self administer at home or it covers um, oral prescription medications. Now, I just want to say that your Part D, your prescription coverage, you have the right to choose that, and that is a tiered level of care, and um, the um, services, the uh, services that are provided under your Part D provider can change depending on what the formularies are that are being provided by that provider for that year. They also do have to notify you if they're making changes to uh, medications. And there is an appeals process that you can also appeal if they don't cover a medication, but it works for you and you know it works Um, Some. Part D providers require that you do what's called step therapy. So they find a really cheap drug that may help with, I'm going to say a seizure disorder because this its I see it a lot in these cases. So they'll start with a really cheap low cost medication for seizure disorders and say, oh no, well, we want you to start on medication A before you try medication B. And um, if you have, If you and your doctor already know that Medication B will work for you, um, your doctor can appeal that, and it's a pretty quick turnaround time for that. Um, So you don't have to choose a new Medicare Part D provider every year, but that can be done during... Open enrollment and those are based on your zip code. So, if you do move, your Part D provider may change. So, that is something to keep in mind. Um, Even if you move within the same count uh, within the same state, it can affect who your Part D options may be through. And then there's what's called Medicare Part C, which um, we uh, see commercials for these on TV a lot. So Medicare Part C is also known as a Medicare Advantage Plan um, or an MA. And these are private insurance companies that have been approved by Medicare to sell policies to you. Now, there are specific things that they have to cover, um, but they can offer you additional services such as, don't get excited because I'm going to say the word vision, but they really don't mean like low vision stuff. They mean like a pair of glasses usually, hearing aids, and dental care. You do need to be careful um, with a Part C provider because sometimes you have restrictions on what hospital system or medical system you can work within, um, and it's important to be aware of that, especially if you're in an area um, that you may not want to use a specific hospital, you may be tied to that hospital or doctor network based on the provider. And there are both PPO, preferred providers, or HMOs under Part C. So a lot of times people think of it just as an HMO, but that, that is not the case, but um, It can also very limit the types of services that you get under Part C. So you may be very restricted for out-of-network type of things or even for your preferred providers. um, There may be some drastic out-of-pocket costs for you. So Medicare pays the monthly premium to the Part C provider, You, in addition, may also have out-of-pocket costs, and those costs may change depending on uh, the the plan, and your out-of-pocket costs may change unexpectedly. So those are things to keep in mind when you're looking at a Part C provider as a possible option. Now, Part C, I should explain, is basically Medicare Part A and B, But there are, they can offer additional services. So you wouldn't, if you had a Part C provider, you wouldn't have a Part A and a Part B. You would also may have the ability to receive prescription coverage under your Part C provider. Um, And the restrictions may. There may also be restrictions based on your geographic area. So if you're moving again, this uh, you should keep in mind that your Part C coverage may need to change. Medicare also has what's called a Medigap policy or a medical supplement plan, and. I'm going to say, because this is a national call, I should have said at the beginning that this only applies to people in the United States because we could have people in another country, but folks in Massachusetts, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, your Medigap policies, don't pay attention to what I'm saying right now, because if you're looking for Medigaps, are very different than what I'm going to describe because they're all set by the state, and it's a totally separate system from Medicare um, so the Medigap coverage allows f- you pay a monthly premium and some of these, you also see commercials for these on TV. Um, they have a monthly premium and they have letters associated with them. And based on the letters, it so for example, all levels of M coverage or K coverage, the policy basically has to be the same. What's going to be different is your out-of-pocket costs. So the um, your premium will be different, and your um, but your deductibles and things like that should be all the same to so make them a little easier to compare. So for people who Enroll in a Medigap policy on or after January 1st of this year of 2020. You will no longer be able to get your Medicare Part B as in Boy premium back. So if you're, if you've had Medicare for a while and you're, you're getting back whatever your monthly premium is for Part B, consider yourself lucky because folks going forward won't have that option. some people used to choose a a, buy a medigap policy just so they could get back their premium but financially it doesn't usually make sense um if um but with medigaps if you know that you're going to have a lot of medical costs out of pocket that might be something to look at and it's going to vary as to what they'll be able to cover through the medigap policy based on what policy you pick and and those are basically sold to you by like an an insurance agent um who sells medigap policies and your st- your state health insurance plan or ship can provide more specific information on both medigap policies and um Part C coverage so that you get your, the best services based on where you live. Um, and you you can just find your state health insurance plan by Googling state health insurance and typing in what your state is. And it should bring up the uh, listing of the insurance programs that cover your area. Um, with Medigap uh, policies, um they do not work with um, a Medicare Advantage plan. So you have to have Part A and B coverage. You can't have a Part C, pro- C plan.
3: Lori, we have about five more minutes that okay. we can provide okay. to you.
1: Okay. Well, then let me skip to, I had some other stuff here to cover. If you're looking for financial assistance with um, your Medicare premiums, or co-payments, there may be options for you through a Medicare Savings Program. And the Medicare Savings Programs um, have basically your monthly income eligibility. Many states have eliminated the asset test, so assets are not necessarily um, a problem if you have assets in the bank Um, and what happens is depending on your income it goes up between 100 percent federal poverty level for a family of one or two up to 135 percent and there's different levels of medicare savings so the lower your income is they would cover um, your medicare part b premium and they would you would have um your co-insurance co-pays and your deductible paid and then the least amount um would be 135 percent federal poverty level and you would then only get back your part b provider premium
3: so you do have about two minutes left is there anything else that you weren't able to cover that you wanted to slide in here
1: I just would encourage people to get in touch uh, with their state health insurance plan um, if they think that changing their um, Part B, uh, uh, changing their Part D provider for prescription coverage, um, they would be able to help you with that. And I did want to mention the Medicare Rights Center, which is out of New York, but they provide national cir- Uh, technical support, I was going to give their phone number, which is uh, 800-333-4114. That's 800-333-4114. And they do a really good job of describing all different aspects of Medicare. And I will give my email address, which is my first and last name at gmail.com. So it's L-O-R-I. S is in Sam. C H A R. F is in Frank. F is in Frank.
3: Our next yeah. presenter is uh, known to many of us uh, in ACB. Uh, she's done a number of things in this organization, but today her hat is a the explorer. I'm an explorer, and I'm sure many of you are explorers. Explorer communications manager for Ira. And so I'm going to turn it over to Janine Stanley. Well,
4: hello, everyone, and thank you, Jeff, for inviting me to this meeting. Really appreciate it. And uh, we are excited this year, not because there aren't any conventions, because convention time is crazy busy for Ira, but um, we're excited because we have a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, first of all, what is Ira? For all the new folks out there listening, you may have heard of Ira before, but you may be thinking, well, what in the world actually is Ira? Ira is a visual interpreting service, and that means
3: sort of like a slime. Oh, Janine, line. can I? Yes. Can, I'm very sorry. Uh-huh. I need to do a matter of business that oh, I'm not sure. used to doing. We need to get the ending codes for Lori in there before you continue. Oh, very important. <laughs> yeah, that is.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I'm a little bit, um, I will give the ending code that I have. I was just a little bit confused because we have, you know, the first session on the program was one thirty to two forty-five, and then this one was is going to be three to four fifteen. So yes, um, but
3: the the second the speakers session, are
2: different. Okay,
3: yeah, the first the the codes were for the first two halves of the first Got session, it. and there's no CEUs con- see- for the second session. Okay. At least that's what well, I was told.
2: I'm just here kind of running the show, so they tell me. So I yeah. will <laughs> I will give the ending CEU code for this session for part two of the filling the gaps. And that is B as in boy, the number five, B as in boy three, four. So again, that is B as in boy. Number five, B as in boy. Three, four, and we have a hand raised. I don't know. It's um, Sharon Strakowski. Do we want to take that, Jeff, or
3: no? I'm nope. not, not, at right. this time.
2: not at this time. Okay,
3: let's let, uh, let Janine go. All right. I'm sorry, Janine.
4: Oh, no worries. No worries. CEU credits are extremely important, and we appreciate everybody who who joined. Jeff and company here to get those. So thanks for for coming. Uh, Now, Ira is a visual interpreter, like I was saying. So what does that mean? That means if there is something that you need to see, some information that you need that is strictly visual or mostly visual, Ira is here to help you. And we do that through an app on our smartphones. Now, I can hear some of you saying, I don't use a smartphone. Well, Actually don't worry too much we are we have you in our sights we had a wonderful program called the horizon kit which we had to discontinue unfortunately back in march Because it was outdated, it had become obsolete, we couldn't do any more updates, it was becoming a pretty terrible experience for people. So we did away with the Horizon gear, but we are looking, always looking, for a way to make things simple and a way to use our products without a smartphone. We just don't happen to have that right now. Now, if you're a newbie at using a smartphone, the good news is that you can control Ira with Siri yeah, that's correct. If you use an iPhone, if you are on Android, we don't have it working with the Google assistant yet, but we're working on it. So uh, this can be used on iOS and Android visually on both apps. If you're a low vision person, It's very visually easy to work with the app because the primary thing you're going to need is that big old call button right in the middle of the screen that says Call Ira." And when you call us up, you're going to be connected to an agent. Our agents are paid by us. They are not volunteers. Um, It's wonderful that there are people who volunteer to do these things, but the reason that our agents are paid is that they receive four to six weeks of specialized training And if you think about it, that's a long time (laughs) and a lot of training to be able to do things like give accurate directions. Over there is not something you're going to hear from an IRA agent, uh, unless it's stunningly obvious. And even then, you probably will not hear that phrase. Um, Also, our agents learn not only to give directions, but to help you move in space. They learn a lot of mobility terms, and they have done Everything. Trust me, there is no task too small, too trivial, too well, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, I, I hesitate to say too weird, but um, you can use Ira for anything. And the way it works is the first five minutes are free. Now, you will subscribe uh, to a plan if you'd like more time than five minutes to complete a task, and we'll tell you about the ACB plans here in a minute. So, you would subscribe to a monthly plan, but basically for the short tasks you call up, the first five minutes are free. So, let's say you need to check a label on something. Wait, is this what I think it is before I have to open it? Or a can of something that you didn't label or whatever. You can give eye a call and have the agent check that can maybe read the instructions to you, whatever it is you need, within five minutes, and voila, you're done. You don't really have to buy a plan if that's your primary use. And for somebody who's just coming into vision loss, this is really a big deal. Why? Because it's really hard to ask for help. We get that. And we are here non judgmental, non, you know. People say, oh, I'm afraid I'm wasting the agent's time. No, no, that's what we're here for, and that's what you pay for when you purchase a plan. We can also help you when you're outside, when you go places again, and slowly but surely we're doing that again. Um, Ira is a big help with social distancing. That is probably one of the most frustrating things right now is because people don't understand that our guide dogs don't know how to social distance. They don't get that. And our canes definitely don't know how to do it, even though, you know, I give mine treats all the time and it doesn't do anything to respond. But Ira is a really big help. Our agents have seen all kinds of social distancing setups and stores, so they're really good at figuring out what the heck do those markings mean and how am I going to move around with you know, in this space and warning you about people being here and there. Now, you're going to do this all through your smartphone camera. And you have a couple choices. You can either hold your phone or you can get some sort of a way to hold it for you, like a lanyard that goes around your neck, uh, something that might uh, go around your arm that your phone would fit into, something that may uh, chest mount, which is like a harness for humans. Um, it looks eerily like a, a dog harness. <laughs> and uh, it, the camera would be mounted securely there, so someone is not going to come up and grab that from you. Um, we have right now a series of webinars. We're calling them Expeditions, and we're going to have them up on our website, but um, for right now, they'll be up on our podcast feed. Yes, we do have a podcast. It's called IRACAST, And depending on how finicky your A-lady speaker is being that day, you can actually ask for it there. I've gotten it to work about half of the time because she doesn't know iris, spelled A-I-R-A, and you'll get all sorts of interesting responses. But we will have that information up on our training page here toward the end of the summer as we end our seminars, but we our next one will be the 23rd of July and we'll be talking about using ira with your computer which you can also do with an agent and this comes back to the training that our agents receive they also have to sign a non-disclosure agreement they have to be bonded they have to be checked uh, a million ways and they go through a firewall so we have a lot of security built into our app and our process because one of the things that's scary as you become more mature, and I'm in that category now, um, fortunately, actually it is pretty fortunate that I've made up this far <laughs> despite myself. But one of the things that is really frightening is entrusting people with your personal information, your banking information, your medical information. Um, I have trusted IRA with a lot of that stuff, and rightfully so. Um, these folks are not that a volunteer would ever, it, when one of the other companies do anything, but, you know, friends and family or, you know, a, a volunteer from the community, you never know. And so working with IRA with your sensitive documents, we record every call for training purposes, but you can ask us not to do that and to turn recording off for all of your calls if you are really concerned about that kind of information. Now let's get to the fun stuff. So one of the most fun things to do with Ira that a lot of people love is taking pictures. And with iOS 14, the exciting thing is that your agent will take the picture, And they'll help you line up your phone camera and everything, help you get that great shot. Then they will send that picture. They can email it to you with a description. And that description can go right in your camera roll with your photo. So you can have those photos titled in your camera roll. You can find them, and you've got the description with them as well. Um, One of the other things that I think is a big safety uh, thing with Ira is right I realize we're not going anywhere anymore, or at least it feels that way. But Rideshare, you can connect your Lyft and Uber accounts, and the agent can actually schedule the ride for you and then watch the vehicle. If if you use Lyft, uh, the agent has to schedule the trip to be able to watch the vehicle. But if you use Uber, um, they can actually watch the vehicle even if you schedule the trip. And then they can look, they can look on the map in the app to see where your driver is, but then they can also look out the video of your phone and see when your driver is pulling in and tell you exactly how to get to their car, which is a big safety thing. They can also verify, yes, this is the same person that I see in the app and the license plate and everything is all the same. So that's a big safety factor if you are going out for maybe the first time, or if you're getting out and about more as you have lost more and more vision. Same thing with walking around. When you start to use your cane, it can be very exhausting walking around, you know, with that cane, or when you first get a dog, you know, it's it's pretty tiring keeping track of where you are. Um, your IRA agent can be there with you and help you with these things as well. Finally, Big news! Um, we have special ACB plans. If you are an ACB member in good standing, and we do check with the national office, um, we have two plans for you. The first one is our introductory plan, and for twenty dollars a month, you get thirty minutes a month of IRA service, and the first five minutes of every call is free. So you know you you can rack up some time there, definitely. Then we have our standard plan, uh, but the ACB standard plan is actually $99.99, but you get 140 minutes. The regular standard plan is only 120 minutes, so you get 20 more minutes on there just for being an ACB member. And you can use, as I said, IRA for anything, um, anything you need some visual help with. So I'd love to open it up for questions, if anyone has any questions. Um, for our international audience, we are available now in the U.K. As of last week, we're so excited to welcome the U.K. Finally, full force to our IRA family. We're also available in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. And so we are going to be ramping up, you know, in all of those countries in the near future, be be aware of that. But wow, yeah, yeah, it's pretty exciting, and we've got even bigger news. So join us, uh, you know, with the uh, ACB convention connection in the next couple of days, because we've got some really fun stuff to announce, including one of the I think, think got have to have a meeting sure. in.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Do we have a hand, Katie.
2: Yes, um,
5: Sharon Sarkowski. First, I just want to say that I think Ira is a fantastic. Uh, service, and I think especially for people who live alone or who don't have a lot of family contact, especially right now during our social distancing, it is a real comfort. Um, The question that I had was, I read something maybe a week or so ago ago about an advisory council that's being
4: formed, um, and I wanted to just hear more what they might be doing. Thank you. Certainly. Well, we, we did have an application out for our advisory committee, which is called the DIG, the Digital Insights Group. I'm sorry, Dynamic Insights Group. I always call it the Digital, but <laughs> it's the Dynamic <laughs> Insights Group. And uh, we had over 600 applications for 15 positions. This is a six-month term, so everybody who applied, um, you definitely have another chance (laughs) coming up in January. But the membership will be announced probably by the end of this week. We're waiting for them all to get their... and non-disclosure agreements signed. And then they'll be working on things like some beta testing for us for either new features or enhancing features that we have. Uh, they'll be doing a little market research for us. Okay, what do you think of this new policy, et cetera. And uh, they'll also be doing a, a bit of spreading the word about IRIDA, folks. So those are the primary duties uh, of that particular group, and it, it's our continuing effort to keep our customers really involved. Our customers are really, really involved in our products. So, all right,
6: all right. Carrie,
4: so- Carrie Moose.
6: Hi, this is Carrie. Um, and I want to say one thing. I was at a convention a couple of years ago, a state convention, and somebody used Ira for karaoke that was rather hilarious. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. But but my question goes to I have a a business in which I am dealing with highly confidential client information and I've I've been curious if the IRA disclosure stuff if that that stuff is still protected or not.
4: Yes, actually and I will tell you we are not Officially HIPAA compliant. I have to say that because if you need absolute HIPAA compliance, that's would not be us. But what we can do is not uh, keep your recordings, and that is one of probably the best ways to um, it really deal with that type of a privacy restriction and things like that. We'll delete those recordings. They are deleted uh, after your call, right after. We don't even record the call, actually. Um, And you can make that a permanent feature of your account also. And if you own a small business, we have an offer for small business folks where you can get up to 30 minutes at a time free if you're doing your business tasks. And that just involves registering with us as a small business. And that one is thanks to Intuit and QuickBooks. Nice. Thank you. Sure.
3: Okay. So I want to thank Janine. Uh, and Ira, for all that uh, you guys are doing, I want to thank you for being here today. And um, if you
4: need me to stick around. Happy to do that if you need.
3: Absolutely.
4: Me. Okay. Great. Great.
3: Uh, so and now go under the
4: cone of silence.
3: <laughs> that's right. That's, that's exactly. Oh, I love the cone of silence. We're going on to our next speaker. Do we have Alexa here?
2: Hello. Alexa. I am here.
3: All oh, right. So our. Final speaker of the day before it is indeed your turn, everyone out there, is Alexa Holland, who is an enterprise manager for GoGo Grandparent, which is a great service. And I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to let Alexa talk about it.
7: Thanks so much, Jeff. Hi, everyone. I hope you are staying safe and healthy during these times. Uh, Again, thank you for having me here. And, Jeff, thank you for inviting us to be part of this very important conversation. As Jeff said, my name is Alexa Holland. I'm the Enterprise Manager at GoGo Grandparent. I've been fortunate enough to work for the company for over three years, and I was one of the very first operators ever employed by the company. Um, if you have not heard of us before, GoGo Grandparent has been around since 2016. Since then, we've helped hundreds of thousands of older and disabled adults from around the United States and Canada maintain their freedom and independence by assisting them with their transportation needs. We partner with Uber and Lyft to help find on-demand rides at the lowest cost possible. Our service does not require a smartphone, and app, or the internet. And since we use Uber and Lyft, our service is available anywhere that these companies have drivers. Riders are also protected under Uber and Lyft's insurance policies the same way they would be if they were ordering through the company directly. We offer additional safety and security features to ensure peace of mind for our clients as well as their family members. We monitor each ride with our GoGo Guardian team and send real-time updates to loved ones. We have the ability to customize each person's account to improve their experience with us. We have the option of notating an account if a person is visually impaired, hard of hearing, uses a cane, walker, wheelchair, or has a service animal, for example. And we send this information to the driver so that the driver is prepared to assist in any way that they can. We have two ways to order a ride with our service. Members can either speak with an operator or use our automated system. We have bilingual operators that are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, including holidays. We also offer the ability to pre-schedule rides anywhere from one hour to six months in advance. We have the ability to add up to 11 custom pickup locations onto a member's account. This is convenient so that riders do not always have to have their address handy for the locations that they frequently visit. We add these addresses to their custom dial tone menu so that they can use the automated system when they're being picked up from somewhere other than their home. We also have several back-end technical features. For members that are visually impaired, we offer a voice command feature where they can speak their selection instead of pressing the corresponding number on their phone. We can also block out larger vehicles like minivans and SUVs or the smaller cars like Mini Coopers. Our hope is to match riders with the best vehicle possible so that they do not injure themselves getting in and out of the car and making their ride as comfortable as we can. Part of registration is to collect payment information, which we store on a government server and that payment method is charged after each trip. The total fare is calculated based on the miles and the minutes of the trip. In addition to Uber and Lyft fare, which varies based on zip code, GoGo Grandparent has a small concierge fee of $0.27 per minute for the duration of the ride, and this cost covers our customer service team. Riders are more than welcome to tip the driver if they would like. However, at the current moment, it would have to be done in cash at the end of the trip. Our operators provide an estimate before each trip is ordered or scheduled. Additionally, members can call us at any time to get an estimate for a trip that they're thinking about taking. We provide receipts either via email or over the phone. If anyone should have an issue with a trip that they went on or a poor experience with one of our operators, we have a staff of supervisors that are available. We also have a quality assurance team that ensures that the same level of customer service is being received on every single call. Should someone lose an item or would like to dispute the cost of a trip, we have a separate team that will advocate on their behalf to both Uber and Lyft. Due to the demand for additional features and services we've heard from our current clients, we've had to increase the number of employees and departments that we have here. So to help us support that growth, we now have a membership fee for anyone that signs up with us. The first 30 days are free, so you're welcome to try out the service for no additional cost outside of the rides that you take. And then it's only $9.99 per month. In addition to transportation, we are really excited to offer additional services, most that have been in response to COVID-19. We have a gourmet department that helps members order meals from local restaurants. We are partnered with Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, and Postmates. Our operators on that team are able to provide a list of restaurants in the area and take orders over the phone. Those orders are sent to the restaurant, and then we send out a driver to pick the food up when it's ready and then deliver it. We also recently started our own grocery department, where items can be delivered to your door without any contact. Our grocery team provides a list of local grocery stores and markets and then takes your grocery list over the phone. That list is sent to our partner, Instacart, who then shops for the items on the list and delivers it. Again, no contact. Our newest service is prescription delivery. If you have a prescription that's ready to be picked up, we can send a driver to the pharmacy and they can bring it to your home, no contact. Before the pandemic, we did just start to hire our own drivers to use outside of Uber and Lyft. We recognize the downside of using companies that only offer a curb-to-curb service. We'd like to be able to offer our clients a higher level of customer service, and employing our own drivers will allow us to provide a door-to-door service. So we are looking very much forward to resuming our mission as soon as uh, the pandemic allows us to. Our website is gogograndparent.com. If anyone is interested, we also have a toll-free number. Again, our operators are bilingual and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our number is 855-464-6872, and I would be happy to answer any questions if
2: there are
3: some. That's great. I learned quite a bit about Google (laughs) Grandparents.
7: A
2: lot of things. But I did not know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jean, you should be allowed to talk now. Jean? Hi. I've used Google Grandparent fairly frequently, not much
8: lately because of the virus, but um, it's a godsend for me because... I, um, I'm, i like, really slow technology-wise, and I haven't got an iPhone yet. And um, our cab company, our main cab company, went out of business over the winter. So um, I, I live in a place where I get a lot of transportation, like medical and that kind of stuff. But if I want to go somewhere, um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And so GoGo Grandparent has really helped. One problem I notice is that I don't always get um, – Emails telling me what my fare was. A lot of times, I have to call to find out, and I don't know if that's a problem on your end or mine. But I, I have noticed that I don't, um, I don't always get the emails I'm supposed to get telling me what my fare was.
7: Out of I'll, curiosity, who's your email provider, Gene?
8: Is it Gmail or AOL? A, a Nightcap, well, a Roadrunner or Charter, whatever it is now. Spectrum. Okay. Uh, yeah.
7: Okay, I was just curious. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's great that you're here. Um, I feel very honored to actually talk to you directly. And thank you for using the service and saying such wonderful things. Um, if you'd like to email me, um, my email is alexa at gogograndparent.com. I'd be more than happy to look into that. Sometimes our server does not play well with other email servers, which is why I asked who is your provider. Um, okay. but I can definitely over, look over your account and make sure that we're getting those receipts to you after every single trip.
8: Okay. And the other, the fee you were talking about, I assume that's for people that join now. That's not for people that are already in the yes, service. Yes,
7: you're, you're grandfathered in. It would be for anyone that signs up. Uh, I believe the start date was May 26th. So anyone who signed up before that was already grandfathered in, and that does not apply to you. Good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Any
3: other hands? We have time for one more question. We
2: have some hands. So the next person I will call in is Carrie. You should be allowed to talk.
6: Hi, I have two questions. One is, is there an age thing for go, go grandparent? I'm a grandparent, but I'm only 49. And my, um, My other question is, what about real rural communities where um, Lyft and Uber are not available?
7: Hi, Carrie. There is not an age thing. And that is probably the worst thing about the name GoGo grandparent is that it kind of Says that Our service is available for anyone that is over the age of 18. You do not have to be a quote unquote grandparent age or actually have grandchildren at all. Um, as far as the rural areas, that's our main driving force between hiring our own drivers is servicing those areas. Uh, while we're partnered with Uber and Lyft, unfortunately we have no say in where they find their drivers or where they're hiring drivers. And we certainly don't want anyone to be removed or passed over because of the lack of availability so that's one of the things that we're focusing on when the pandemic allows us to resume hiring our own drivers it will be those rural areas that we target as well
3: okay thank you you very much alexa i think we're going to have to um go on to the next part of our meeting but i really appreciate all the information and um, you know google grandparent is definitely an important uh, ingredient in filling the need for transportation services for seniors of vision loss. So thanks again for being here today.
7: Thank you for having me. Okay. So now
3: um, we are going to go to what will mostly be public input, but I do want to do a couple of things. I want to rec- I want to recognize my board consists of Doug Powell, who's uh, one of the panelists today, Jean Mann, our uh, uh, um, Peggy Garrett, Carolyn Burley, our immediate past president, John Huffman, Ninetta Garner, Mary Ellen Frost, and our treasurer, who you're going to hear from in a minute, and that is Kathy Gerhardt. So, um, if if Ninetta is here, and i Don't know that she is, but if you are here, raise your hand and we can recognize you. But in the meantime, if Kathy can raise your hand and be recognized, we can have, we can't do any business, but I did want to give a treasurer's report, um, which we cannot adopt, but we can certainly have one for your information.
9: Okay, thank you, Jeff. This is the uh, yearly treasurer's report or financials, and it starts July 1st, 2019 through June 30th, 2020. And our starting balance on July 1st last year was $7,616.25 and uh, our revenue consisted of $985 in dues, donations of $155, ACB convention proceeds $220.40, raffle sales $259, and MMS $40. Uh, the total for the revenue was $1,659.40. For expenses, we had a bank service charge for the year of $24. Our dues that went to a- ACB were $200. Our mixer costs last year were $64.72. We bought two Braille Forum raffle tickets. This year for uh, $50 each or $100. We did website development during the year at a cost of $1,028.98, and we took out an ACB radio ad for $75. So we had the total expenses were $1,492.70, which left us with an ending balance on June 30th of $7,782.95.
3: Well, thank you very much um, for that report. Uh, One other thing before you go, when two years ago we had a membership that was around 25, I would say, roughly, and can you tell us what our current membership is approximately? Kathy and I just want to say before you do, Kathy does a fantastic job of getting membership forms out of you know collecting money, of always keeping on top of these things, of getting the membership data so that I can send out um, emails to everyone that has an email uh, concerning every board meeting that we have. So I just really rely heavily on Kathy and she does a fantastic job. So I wanted to publicly thank her. All right. How many members do we have now?
2: (laughs) Ta-da!
9: 66.
3: All right.
9: And we did start at 24. You were absolutely right. Um, And we've constantly gone up to our present number.
3: And so I want to, this is really leading into uh, the public input part of this um, session. Um, I'm just thrilled that we are growing. We should be growing. You know, we uh, make up the vast majority of ACB members and the vast majority of the blind and low vision community are seniors. And so we need to empower ourselves and empower our community. And it is my hope that AABL can act uh like other special interest affiliates in this organization, such as, you know, GDUI and, and CCLVI and others, and we can really make a difference. And I think we already are beginning to make a difference, uh, such as our membership in the Vision Serve Alliance. So I'd like to hear from um, any of you who have ideas as to what we should be doing. I know Doug is going to be listening closely because he's our um, policy committee chair. And, you know, we all need to hear from you to drive this bus in the directions you want it to go. So does anybody have hands? Um, You can talk about what you heard today. You can talk about, um, other issues that, you know, need to be addressed, whatever's on your
0: mind, senior related.
2: Yes, Larry.
0: Hold on just a second, Larry. Uh, Jeff, do you want to um, give information on how people can can join us now or at the end?
3: Um. Yeah, no, I can do it now. Uh, in fact, why don't I have Kathy back here and <laughs> she could get back up and give that information. And, Larry, don't go away because you're going to be first up.
9: We do have a, a membership form on the website in, like, four different places. So that is a, always an option. But you can always contact me um, at uh, kathy39lg at com or call me at 304-283-7424. And I will say that last year we had a number of people that signed up and we had hoped to, or I had hoped to, and I think everybody else did too, um, change our bylaws and allow the people that signed up after a certain date Perhaps you know July fifteenth or July thirty first to um, be members for a year and a half rather than half a year, but we have been unable to do that because of our situation. So that is for the the end of the year, and then I'll be uh, bugging everybody again at the beginning of 2021 or the end of 2020 so just be aware
0: (laughs) thank you and the website is aavl.org do you have the it's rather
2: long and i'm gonna have to it's hi kathy you're unmuted again if you wish to speak some more i apologize
9: (laughs) Oh, you know what? It is rather long, and I don't have it in my head. But I can tell you this, that when I want to get to it real quick, I just put in Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. And it does, we have enough activity where it does get me to the, uh, to the website. And it is also, um, if you go into the uh, ACB Special Affiliates, it's there as well. So there's there's different ways to get to it. It's, I think it's
3: aavl-seniors. seniors org or blind.seniors.org. I can't remember. Well, which that's
9: it. I can't remember either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of those works really well. <laughs> Any other questions for me or, um, well, that,
3: not okay, sure how so to So let's it. let Larry thank you so much, Kathy. Let's let Larry uh he was
10: first here. Okay. Uh Kathy, is that with a C or an A? It's with a K. K. Okay. Thank you. Uh I just want to react to two of the comments that were made earlier uh by uh, other um, attendees. First of all, there was one question about paratransit. <laughs> Okay. Be quiet, Joss. Uh, there was a question of one person about the paratransit drivers who insist on grabbing hold of you to guide you to and from the van and how to, how to change that culture. The best way to do it. And what I can tell you, we have done successfully here is to approach our transportation provider and, uh, and basically force them to allow us to give, uh, sensitivity training to all the operators, both, uh, mainline bus operators as well as the paratransit operators. And that has worked pretty well. The other thing I wanted to comment on, and, and you're asking for some input on a possible project or direction to go. And, and one of the, uh, speakers brought to my mind an initiative that we've been trying to get off the ground here in one way or, or another. And that is a mentorship program. Now, you all may recall that uh, AFB, for many, many years, had a mentorship program for students. In fact, I I was a volunteer mentor on that program. And I don't know if AB, AFB is still doing that or if they've transitioned it over to AAPH. But maybe three years ago, I suggested to uh, the, uh, the head of the AFB that they really ought to have a a similar type of program for seniors who are losing their vision. And uh, whether it's done through a website or uh, however it's done, a, a telephone helpline. But I think that the lady was very correct in saying that a lot of us who have grown up blind have a lot to offer to seniors who are becoming newly blind. And I think that there needs to be, a, a, and also what this would do would be to act as a, an additional uh, expansion of service personnel for those agencies that are currently very restricted. For example, for the entire state of Texas, we have right now 13 specialists who are trained to provide uh, services to the older blind uh individuals 13 people for the entire state so i suggested to our texas workforce commission which is now the agency that serves older blind that they might want to consider uh developing a volunteer or part-time employed program of um, of persons, blind persons who are long-time blind, who would be willing to serve as mentors by telephone to uh, talk with individuals who are newly blind, for the most part, to reassure them that, you know, it's not the end of the line, that there are a lot of things they still could do. They don't necessarily want to play the role of a therapist or a professional but they certainly could provide some reassurance. They could also provide a lot of basic information about, you know, library services and so forth. And I don't know how um, AAVL might consider involving itself in this initiative, but certainly uh, I think ACB might be a, a good um, uh, platform to, to have a mentorship program established on its website. Or perhaps uh, the uh, the earlier presenter, the um, uh, Vision Serve, uh, what's you uh, alliance. alliance? Vision Serve Alliance. But somebody ought to pick up on this, and either whether it's done locally or on a state level or through the, uh, as we're trying to do it through the uh, agency that serves older blind people here in Texas. However, it might be. I think this is really critical because. Number one, there are a lot of us who do have had the opportunity to fight the battle or to fight the battle and, and advocate for ourselves and for others. So we know some of the ins and outs and ups and downs to follow to be able to make things a lot easier for people who are just now experiencing the, the fear and the, and, and, and the uncertainty of what to do in order to uh, continue their life and and not give up
3: all right thank you any other hands
2: natalia
5: i just wanted to say thank you very much for um the this all of this this uh webinar today it's been incredibly informative um i am an instructor for the blind and visually impaired um and uh so this has been it's been really really informative um on all sorts of levels and I I especially enjoyed the presentation of uh, GoGo grandparents. I didn't know about them and uh, so I will definitely be passing the information about them along to uh, some of my former students. Um, I also wanted to uh, touch on the the first person who uh, spoke on the uh, the first, uh, yeah, the first person who spoke after the first presenter, um, Kathy Lyons, I believe was her name. Uh, she wanted, was talking about how she didn't have help with, uh, training on the internet. Um, I am unemployed right now, been unemployed for two years and i'm currently moving to another country um however i have got some time here with the virus and everything else where i'm not doing a lot at the moment so um i would be willing to offer you my services if you would like uh and i could definitely help you with the internet uh depending on whether you use jaws or the mac with voiceover or what your situation is i'm completely blind um And if you use Zoom Text, I would be less likely to be able to help you out just because I'm less familiar with those commands. Um, But I could certainly help you with JAWS if you would like, or the Mac or whatever.
3: Cool. All right, we need to get you two together. So uh, if you want to give your email, you can. Or if not, you can. I'll give you mine, and you can. I can connect you two or whatever. You know.
2: All right. Our next person is Frank. Well, T.
3: So before Frank talks, and I was going to get this in at some point, but but I'll do it right now. Frank is the president, the interim president, I guess is his title, um, of a the newest affiliate of the California Council of the Blind, and what we hope in a month or so will be an affiliate of AVL, and that is California Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. So I'm very proud of the job that the folks in my state are doing,
11: and with that, Frank, go ahead. Well, Jeff, you practically read my mind. Um, I was very much taken during the earlier presentation from uh, the, the woman at the uh, at the Vision Serve Alliance that I, it was reinforcing my feeling that there is a crying need for a great deal of advocacy to establish meaningful services for people who are older and experiencing vision loss. And I think that there's a real gap, a huge gap in service in that area. And I think what it calls for is nothing less than a national advocacy effort at the national state and local level. And I think to make that happen, we need to organize AAV affiliates in every state. And we're doing that in California. And I would encourage everybody to go back to your states and find like-minded individuals and organize and, and, and so that we can implement a coordinated advocacy effort throughout the country. And, uh, if anybody wants some feedback on, on how to get that started, I certainly would be willing to do that. And, and folks could probably just contact Jeff and get them in touch with me because we've got a few months of experience doing that now, so we'd be happy to share that. Thank you, Frank. Uh, I would love to see affiliates spring up
3: in other states.
2: Next, we have Donald.
3: I uh, said this before. I think we we go in
8: to merge our the senior services for the blind with the regular Program, we've got to have some kind of model in advance to keep the services separate and distinct, so that they don't get lost. Because the senior programs uh, seem to have a fair amount of money right now, but they 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 don't have much understanding of the needs of visually impaired person. Raise hand that
3: button. That's right. Don makes a very valid point. We cannot afford to let our services get lost in the shuffle. Anyone else?
2: Yes, we do. So next we have Natalia.
5: I was going to give you my email um, for Kathy. My email address is Natalia, just like it sounds, N-A-T-A-L-I-A-O-C-B. That's O as in Oscar, C as in cat, B as in boy, 11 at gmail.com.
3: Thanks, Natalia. We appreciate that. And I hope that uh, if there is anyone here who, uh, including Kathy, obviously, who wants some training, uh, then uh, they will get in touch with you. And, and Natalia, we wish you luck wherever it is you're moving to and whenever you get to do it. Okay. Any other hands?
2: Yes, we have a, an email here. So L I V V I E. Hi, um, this has been
9: really great. Um, this is um, Livy Ostergaard from Fresno, California. And Jeff, I have still not been able to join the Cease calvary but I'm planning on it. I have a question. I did not hear um, all of the presentation for the gal from Med- about Medicare. And does she have an email address that we could access? Thank you.
0: Yes, uh, she's left, but I I have her email. If you're Very ready, good. it's Lori, L-O-R-I, Scharf, S-C-H, A-R-F-F at com.
2: All right, and we have no more hands at this time.
3: Okay, so I just want to say that I make it a policy to send out to everyone who has an email. And somehow I got it. I need to get this policy expanded. So we phone a couple of other folks who don't, because there are a few folks in the organization, not many, but a couple who don't have emails. Um, and I inform you of every board meeting. And I encourage everyone Doug, for example, before he was on the board, was at several of our meetings. Um, Sharon Storkowski has been at several of our board meetings and provided us with incredible input. And Dan Simple, president of RSVA and others. So we really do appreciate people coming on to our meetings, providing us with input and getting involved in our organization. Um We will certainly have more information coming out to you. I encourage you to look at the website aavl blind seniorsorg and because uh, Sandra Spalletta are the person who sort of puts things up on the website, does a great job of providing us with information. And so uh, I, I want to Encourage you if you are not a member to join us, and um, if you are a member to keep providing us with information and input as to what you think we need to be doing to help seniors with vision loss. And my last word to you will be senior power. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Jeff. All we have attendance. we
2: have two more. We have hands that went up as oh, you we spoke. Have hands? We That's do. Yes, we uh, do.
12: Yeah, okay, um, we
2: do. So we have telephone number 8591.
12: And there's Dan. Thank you, Jeff and Doug and all, all of you guys. Really a fantastic, you know, presentations. And uh, I just wanted to make a couple of comments. Um, in, in that we, earlier, we started, Lee was talking about education. Jeff and Doug were talking about education. And, you know, we have to keep in mind that we are part of ACB. ACB is a grassroots organization, so where does education start? Starts at the grassroots level, and give you a little rationale why I think that way is, I have retinitis pigmentosa, and I, up until I was 17 years old, all I knew I was night blind. I couldn't see at night. I had usable vision. I'd gotten uh, grade school and. Uh, all we had in our local town was an optometrist, and that's so what we go. Well, he give me this because I couldn't see the blackboard. Then he give me these pair of glasses. No, that didn't. You know. Finally, the optometrist says, "Well, you're gonna have to sit up in front of the class." Well, you know how much fun it is for a, a young boy to sit up in front of the class. You know, especially me because I don't. I'm not smart enough to know when to keep my hand down, and my mouth shut. But uh, it's. And so I didn't learn the term retinitis pigmentosa until 17 years old before we found an ophthalmologist. And at 17 years old, I couldn't even pronounce it, let alone spell it. But, you know, I kept, you know, and I moved around the di- different cities in, you know, Wausau, Wisconsin, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Claire, Wisconsin, and stuff. And ended up in various ophthalmologists. I, I, I dis- discontinued going to optometrists. I went to ophthalmologists. And lo and behold, I found myself educating the ophthalmologist about retinitis pigmentosa, about RP. And that was kind of frustrating and probably to the point irritating. Finally, I realized, well, no, I guess, you know, the ophthalmologist, that's their profession. They're in business, uh, in business, and they have to account for the billable hours. So I was, okay, I'll share my what I know, and... And that's why I got involved in various organizations so I can learn more and pass this information on. For the last uh, several decades, I've been in Eau Claire, and I'm uh, and i have getting my service out of Mayo Health Systems, which we all heard of. Mayo Health Systems, it's the uh, international health system. And I go to two ophthalmologists every year. I go to one, one year, one, year. and they have convinced my insurance carrier to cover two ophthalmologist visits per year because they classified me as a textbook uh, case of retinitis pigmentosa. So consequently, what I do is I go, so I go in and they, they schedule my appointment an extra half hour each time I go in from what normally tested, uh, supposedly perform on me, but they always bring in some of their interns, at least one if not two or three interns. Into it. And for the interns to ask me questions, you know, because as mentioned earlier in the conversation today, you know, they're in the business of preserving eye care or improving eye, eye health, and they realize they, there's nothing they can do for RP. So they want me to educate these interns and as well as, yep, and so that's where I take the opportunity then. I've, I've got over my frustration, got over my irritation of educating, you know, people a lot smarter than I am, and okay – how else we we get the word out? We got to get, the, you know, because they didn't know where to refer me. When I first, I was 17 years old, you know, they referred me to VR. That's all they knew about it, is VR. Well the VR counselor, all they wanted to do was pay my tuition to college. And I had, I had other ambitions. And they wanted to treat me as if I was totally blind. I said, no, I got to vision. I want to use it. Let me use it. You know, let me, help me out some other way. Well, no, we're not equipped. And to this day, and I think Doug can, you know, affirm me on this, that to this day, that's kind of what they want to do with us. You know, we'll pay your college education, your tuition, your, your technical school tuition, you go find your own job. You do this, you know. No, they, there, there's more to rehab than that. Great comment. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much. You very much. <laughs> but I, it, it, so that's what I say. You know, just take the time, because i have involved in and meet a lot of blind people throughout Wisconsin, throughout the United States, in my travels. A lot of people once... Yeah. Their ophthalmologists, or some don't even go to optometrists. Once they say we can no longer help you, they stop going. Please right. go back to your ophthalmologist and educate them for the sole purpose of educating them so that they can, in turn, help somebody else out and know where these resources, such as AVL and ACB, they know what resources are available. Absolutely. Otherwise, uh, the newly, newly blinded uh, uh, senior citizens are not going to be aware of our services that we all are aware of unless we educate. You know, basically, the old what's the old cliche? We got to train the trainers, and I think right. that's what guess, Excellent. we got to Excellent do. Excellent comment. All right, I think we have one more hand.
2: Yes, we do. So, Jean, Jean you should be allowed to talk. Well, first of all, I want to—if Larry is still
8: on, I, Larry, I just want you to know that I love your articles. Um, and uh, the other thing, I, I hate to mention this, because when I was president and people did this, I always said, well, if you think we should do it, then you do it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, we really do need to work on a newsletter. I don't know what should go in it, but we really haven't had one in a couple of years. And um, we really need to work on one and put it up on the website if we want, you know, people to be interested in our organization. At least I think we do.
3: Gene, you're absolutely right. There's no, no doubt. Thank you very much. All right, I think we're going to have to end this uh, workshop, this conference, and I appreciate. We want to thank Katie for the great job that she did, despite everything we threw at her. And um, and we want to thank Doug and all of our presenters and all of you. So. Thanks for everything, and we'll do it again next year, hopefully in person.